Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. So I'm going to talk about I am lovable this morning. Somebody wrote a story one time. We used to sing it. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. Remember that one? Big ones, little ones, fat ones, skinny ones. Eat them while they squirm. Yeah. But you know, sometimes it's awful easy not to feel loved, feel unloved, and nobody cares. And so sometimes we go through life and we have issues that kind of set us back. But I want to talk about that, what the Bible has to say about it today. I went online and there's a a guy there by the name of Not Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N.com or .org or whatever it is, uh, Not Salmon, and this is what he said, several things. He said, my life might not be perfect. I have many challenges, but I also have too many blessings to be ungrateful. Can you say amen to that? Whether it's the best of times or the worst of times, it's the only time you have. Look for the good in each day. Focus on growth, purpose, peace, love, and gratitude. Here's another one he says. Whatever's wrong, you, whatever's worrying you right now, forget about it. Think of someone who makes you feel safe and loved. Breathe in this love. He also says, trust yourself. You've survived a lot. You will survive rather Whatever is happening right now, too. Isn't that good? Someone, you need to be alone. Sometimes you need to be alone to find out who you really are and what you really want. NotSalmon.com. Trying to make sense of crazy will simply drive you crazy. Let it go. Hmm, that's right. Not salmon.com. Let's stop believing that our differences make us superior or inferior. To one another. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. No, wait. Shame the H E C K on you. I forgave you and you did it again. Huh. How about that one? Please do not allow the challenges of your past to stop you from becoming who you are meant to be. I like this one, not salmon.com. Love yourself enough to let go of all things toxic. Toxic lovers, toxic friends, toxic food, and toxic thoughts. Only grow thoughts in your brain that would you would not mind putting in a vase. Hmm, I like that one, little flowers there. Here's one. If you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you really can be. And then here's one. It says the only normal people are the ones you don't know very well. <laughs> That's right. And here's uh, the last one is this. You are good enough. You have always been good enough. You just have been too good to the wrong people. Think about that one. So what does the Bible have to say about your worth and uh, who you are and and whether you're lover or not? Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over you with joy, and he will rest or enjoy his love for you. He will joy over you with singing. How many of you know you make the Lord sing? 
not nobody loves me, but you know the other one, you know, singing in the rain or in the tub or whatever. Romans 8, 38 says this, for I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2 and 4, he says, But God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Say, I'm loved. I'm loved for his great mercy for the love he loved us with, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or raised us up together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his love and kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. 1 John 4.10 says here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jeremiah 31.3 said that this way, Oh, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And Song of Solomon, I like this one, chapter 2 and verse 4. He brought me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me is love. The bottom line, I am loved. You are loved. Would you just stand up with me a minute? That's good. Take all the junk off your lap and the sodas out of your hand and all that kind of stuff. I want you to get three people around you, high five, and say, I am lovely. All right, that's enough of that. You can be seated. We sang this morning, Who You Say I Am. Hillsong Worship says, Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Say amen to that. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I'm chosen, not forsaken. And I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Say hallelujah. I like that. Yes, I am a child of God. Now, uh, here's one problem that you have to look out for. The devil wants to try to take you and, and make you take the blame for every negative thing that's ever happened in your life. The devil wants to try to convince you that it's your fault and you're the unlovable one. Ah, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You need to defeat this kind of thinking. Romans 3, 4 says, God loves us, said, let God be true. And let every man be a liar. They're not lovable. Well, yes, you are. God says you are. Hmm. That's interesting. Amen to that. God said about you that you're lovable. Who are you going to believe? The devil or God? You're going to believe them or him? Say, I'm lovable. All right. Well, Revelation 12, 10 says that the devil goes around seeking whom he can devour. And he says he is an accuser of the brethren. And he accuses them night and day before God. 
Satan will use every trick that he knows to convince you that you are nobody. And he'd love nothing more than to trap you in a snare of insecurity. Hmm. Bible says I'm above, not beneath. Devil says, no, you're beneath, not above. See, I'm the head, not the tail. Devil says, no, you're the tail, not the head. See, notice how everything the devil tries to tell you is opposite of what's true in the word of God. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Well, he would love for you to do nothing more than to feel insecure about everything. A victim of everyone in your past or present who's treated you in an unlovely manner. Uh, the devil tells you they were right. You're not lovable. And the devil will daily try to convince you that everyone and anyone who's treating you now as though you're a piece of junk, not worthy of being loved, are right. The devil will try to tell you that you're just a piece of junk, but he's wrong. You are lovable. Thank God for that. The devil will try to convince you that everyone and anyone around you who's setting you up to believe in the future that you're unlovely, unworthy, and you're a lost cause. Well, the devil is a liar. He uses things like this to convince you that you're unlovable. Well, your father never told you that you loved, that he loved you. In fact, your mother even hardly ever told you that. Maybe your father or your mother might have even deserted you and left you hanging out there in no man's land. The devil says, see, they deserted you. You're not lovable. And the devil will say things like, well, uh, one day your ex came in and said, I don't love you anymore. Matter of fact, I never did love you in the first place. I don't know why I ever married you. Don't believe that you're unlovable just because somebody didn't cut the mustard. Hello. Your children may be dropping the ball in this department as well, selfishly all wrapped up in their thumb machines and uh, themselves and all their stuff and things and never takes the time to tell you, Dad, I really love you. Mom, I, I really love you. Maybe you've got kids that left home and they've they gone somewhere else and they live somewhere else and they never call you up and they never come back and see you or even send you a card or anything. It doesn't mean you're unlovable. It just means they've dropped the ball. Can you say amen to that? Now, there's a... I never got picked for a, a sporting team. I'm no good. I got fired at work. Well, I just must not be any good. Well, I was jilted by a dumpster. You know, the one who woos you into the relationship and then dumps you? <laughs> I don't remember that one. <clears throat> Maybe you did something you're ashamed of. And the devil keeps telling you, see, you're unlovable. You're not worthy of being loved. Maybe you, uh, maybe you uh, failed in a business adventure. And he says, see, you, you're not worth anything. Well, maybe you had an abortion and, and you got second thoughts and all this now. And you say, see what you did? See, you're just unlovely. You're unlovable. But be informed, the devil is a sly old fox. Somebody wrote a song and said, you're Tick him up and put him in a box. And he will use every opportunity that he can. Listen to this. It's why the devil does it. Because he wants to diffuse the powerful act that you are a child of the most high God. And every single individual is literally loved beyond measure. Created in the image of God. Before the foundations of the world, 
with a purpose that you should show forth his loving kindness in the morning and his faithfulness every night. Oh, Lord, how great are your works, and thy thoughts are very deep toward me. So, shut up, devil. Turn the mind off. I am who he says I am. And I refuse to believe any of the lies that Satan continually tries to throw at me. Devil, you're a liar. One day my daughter, when she was younger, she walks up to me from behind and put her hand on my head and she said, Daddy, what's this big bump you've got on your head? And she went on to say things like, it's a little abnormal. I said, yeah. I said, you see, honey, I said, before the foundations of the world, before you were even thought about, God knew that you were going to be my daughter. And you are so lovely that I need extra love space in my head just for you. Huh? Ask her about that someday. And I said, so here's the deal, honey. I said, you are loved times so much more than you ever can imagine. When she would dress up to go out on the basketball court or go for a run at track or she got on the volleyball team and she played, uh, uh, she was, uh, what do you call those things where they pay all the bills and they, they give you bubble gum and candy and all that stuff and books to go play volleyball for them. She played volleyball on a full ride scholarship for four years and I, miss, I never missed hardly one of her games all around and every time she'd walk out there, I would go like this. It means you are loved so many times more than you could ever imagine. Hello. So, there you go. There you have it. Well, you might not have a compartment on your head like mine, <laughs> but you can have a heart as big as Texas, and you can show love and know that you are loved. Deuteronomy chapter 39, God did something very special for his son Jesus, gave him a gift. You know, we know about God's gift to us, but God gave a gift to Jesus, his son. And Deuteronomy 32, 9 says, the Lord's portion is his people. We are the Lord Jesus Christ's inheritance. Ha. He inherited you. <laughs> Lucky him. <laughs> so the devil may well have convinced you that you're a worthless old sinner. Well, he's got part of it right. And that there's no way that Jesus could love you, much less anybody else. But you need to look him in the eye, stick your finger up his nose and tell him, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. That's how lovely I am. And if that don't convince you, then to believe this in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 19, this covers you too. It says, the son of man, Jesus came. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> See, yep, that's me. We qualify. God created you and me and, he, and with a built-in need 
to be told that we are loved. Now, I don't know if you're dropping the ball in this area. You tell people around you that they're loved. You tell people that they're loved. I, I tell my wife every, every, every uh, 10 years. Actually, I tell her every day I love her, and I tell her every day she's the most beautiful person on planet Earth, that she's wonderful and she's precious. You really look good today. I tell her that over and over and over and over and over again. Almost every single week I buy her at least three dozen roses and many flowers almost every week. Hello. Just kind of a nice way to say I love you. Hello. I found out another thing is just scratch her back once in a while. She knows you're saying I love you. And let her borrow your car when hers is down. That speaks volumes. God built us, built your children, built your spouse, built your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your sons, your daughters, and even your cat and your dog (laughs) needs to be told that they are loved. Why? Because the enemy tried to tell them the opposite. If you never tell them that they're loved, what are they listening to? The devil telling them that they're not loved and that they're not lovely. It's against what God says. And so, if you like to be told by someone here on earth that they love you, Using these words, I love you. If you like to be told that, raise both hands up. Look around you, look around you, look around you, sitting right next to you. They want to hear you say, I love you. Now, you kids down here want to watch yourself a little bit, okay? (laughs) You've heard the, well, the little quip about the wife who complained her husband. He never told her that he loved her, and she wanted to hear that. He he, he is reputed to have said, I told you I loved you when we got married. If I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. (laughs) That ain't cool, fellas. One time, I I don't remember the who, the what, or the who, the when, and the where, but I remember the what. I remember this happening to me many, many years ago. must have been over 50 years ago. It's been that long ago. Someone gave me a beautiful book. It had a beautiful cover on it, and it caught my attention right off because on the front of the book, it said, How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. And the book was this thick. I thought I'm going to take that home when I get all tucked in, get my jammies on. (laughs) I guess I don't do that. When I get home and I sit down in my easy chair and I'm going to pull that book out, I'm going to read all the wonderful ways that they love me. I opened up pages this thick and every single page on every single page was blank. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Blank. We laughed about that. But there is a book that's a thick, and on the cover says the Holy Bible. And guess what? God gave us that book to let us know all of the ways that he loves us. How many ways do I love you? 
I love you so much. I stretched out my arms wide for you there on the cross. From Genesis to Revelation, every chapter, every verse, every line is written to indelibly inscribe into your heart this morning that you are his delight and you are deeply loved by the creator, the savior of your body and your soul. Yes, Jesus loves me, Christo, Christo, Miami, la Biblia, I see, see, Señor, yay, amen, see. That's all I know. He was altogether lovely, agreed with his father, and together they said, let's declare it. Let's proclaim our love for those we have created. Let's let everyone on earth clearly understand how deeply that they are loved. We created every living soul, they said, with a deep desire to hear that they are loved and lovable. So let's do it. And so they did. First of all, they sent the inspired writers of the scriptures, the holy inspired word of God. They wrote the entire Bible. And in John 3, 16, they did it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I am lovable and I am loved. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us the kind of ways that Jesus loves us. He says, well, he sees us as sinless. Sees me as sinless? Yes. He sees every one of us as sinless. When you're washed in the blood, you've given your life to Jesus Christ. When God the Father looks down upon you, when the Lord looks down upon you, all he sees is righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. But I'm a sinner, the devil said. Tell the devil he is a Thank you. How does Jesus love us? He loves us long-suffering. He puts up with us. He's not easily provoked. He can't, he, he's not angered. He's kind to us. Somebody said, well, he's an ogre. He's just a judgmental God. No, he's kind to us. God is love. He thinks no evil about you or about me, no matter how bad we are. One thing remains. His love never fails. It never gives up, and it never runs out on me. And he says he'll stick closer than a brother. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, though someone might leave you and forsake you, but I never will. I'll go with you to the ends of the world. Faith, hope, and love, he called it. First Corinthians 13, 13, that lucky number. The greatest of all of these is love, which brings me to my message for today. You want to hear it? I'm reading today in Romans chapter 5 in verse number 1 through 11. Now, I've told you the story of the love of Jesus. Would you put it up on the screen, please? <clears throat> By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us. By entering through faith. What does that mean? It means the Bible says Jesus loves you. Are you going to enter into that by faith? Well, I don't feel love. Well, you enter into by faith, you'll start feeling love. Well, the devil told me that the, what I did way back then disqualifies me for ever doing anything or being ever being anything in God. Well, Jesus says it different. He said your sins are forgiven. 
They're forgotten. They're cast into the deepest sea, never to be remembered against you anymore. They are removed as far as the east is from the west. You are though you have never sinned. Now, if you enter into that through faith, what God has always wanted to do for us, then it'll set you right with him. Quit believing the devil. Quit believing a lie. Quit believing your own feelings because you got dumped or you got left or you got shanghaied or you got cheated or you got gypped or you got beat up. Hello, or you got cussed out. Quit believing that lie and believe that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are lovely, lovable, and God wants you to enter into that through faith. If you start believing the word of God, you'll start feeling like somebody, not like nobody. You'll start feeling like a head and not the tail. Hello. But you don't understand what I did. Well, according to the scriptures, what you did no longer exists. It no longer exists. And if you can enter into that by faith, it'll set you right with him. And it'll make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors if we, if we can believe that we are lovable and we are lovely. And Christ died for us because we, he loves us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never accuse us. He'll never point the finger. He'll not bring us under judgment. Hello. If you can believe that and apply it to your life, Quit believing the lies. Quit being depressed. Quit being oppressed. Get those pills out of there. Quit balling up in a ball somewhere feeling sorry for yourself for something stupid you did 10 years ago that God doesn't even remember. Forgive yourself. Love yourself. That's what the Bible says to do. When you do that, if you start doing that by faith, you'll throw open the doors to God and you'll discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where he always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting his praises. <laughs> Hello, my glory and the lifter of my head, the Bible says. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Ah, because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged, just the opposite of what the devil wants. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. If we buy into what the Scripture says is truth by faith, if you start knowing who you are in God, you'll start feeling who you are in God. Christ arrives right at the right time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. 
He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the King James Version says, and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, like Grandma. And we can also understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, like Nancy Joe. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Now that we are set right with God by means of this sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there's no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. If we, when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deeply by the means of his resurrected life. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply say it in plotting prose. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus the Messiah. Can you say amen to that? Would you bow your heads? I think the Lord brought you here today to hear this message. I don't think it's any accident that this happened in my turn to preach Romans chapter 5, verses 1. As we march to the book of Romans, we understand the doctrine of soteriology. We understand the Romans road for all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness to make you his beloved, to wave over your head a banner, his banner written about you, his banner over you is love. And so today, I want you to lay at the foot of the cross every feeling of insecurity that's ever been dumped in your lap. Every feeling of unworthiness that the enemy tries to throw at you. Maybe some people try to throw it at you. Maybe they treat you like you're junk. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly and that you might know who you are, secure in him. He is the glory and the lifter of your head. He made you the head and not the tail. He makes you blessed in your coming in and your going out. All of the advancements in life come from him. He raised you up to that position in your job. 
He raised you up to that intelligent level through your education. He's the one. He has done that for you so that you might know that he loves you with an everlasting love forever and ever and ever and ever. And there is nothing that anyone or anybody can do to make you unlovely and insecure. Devil, no, not today. Devil, no, not today. I'm a child of God. I am who he says I am. Let's pray. Father, I just drive out of this building all feelings of insecurity right now in the name of Jesus. Devil, we dismiss you. We rebuke you. We cast the blood of Jesus Christ on every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building right now who will walk out of here with their head high singing praises to you because we are somebody in him. We are the children of God adopted into his family and loved with an everlasting love. And Father, I just pray that the enemy will be rebuked from every home, every individual, every child, that's been abused, every adult that's been abused, every person that's been beat up and torn down, kicked around, told they're worthless and no good because of a stupid mistake that they made down the road. It's gone. It's over. Hello. And we are somebody in Jesus Christ. And tonight, this morning, I want you to give the Lord a hand and thank him for all that he's done in your life today.